Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. As I said, I've been coming to church for um, 15 years, sorry, 15 years. And um, it's been great. There have been some ups and downs. Um, I remember the one day I'd been coming to church for a couple months. It was a Sunday evening service. Um, it was back in Auditorium 2, which we now call Middle Earth. And um, I was connecting with some people. And then someone was like, oh, how are you getting home? I'm like, oh, my parents. He said, oh, your parents left. Bearing in mind, I'm like 15 at the time. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean they left? No, no, they, they left. They've, they've gone home. My parents only realized that I wasn't in the car when they walked into the house. You see, the reason I'm telling you this is I grew up, this is a true story. I, my, my parents are sitting there. This is a true, I'm going to stand this side of the room though, just in case. You see, this is a true story because, and well, this, this affected me because it happened often. I got lost a lot as a kid. Hi. Like a lot. And, um, and it was like, a, and it would, the one time I got lost in Santon, and I remembered my dad's number, and we had this conversation, had this conversation with this couple, and years later we found out that they actually come to this church, um, and they served in the church, and we became friends with my family, not because of me, but because of church, but they found out many years later that on one of the many occasions that I was lost, that, um, that they actually found me. And at first I felt bad, but then as I started reading the Bible, I realized Jesus was lost by his parents, three days. So mine has never been as bad as three days, but three days, so I was in good company. And I used to blame my parents until I got married. <laughs> the one day my wife sat me down on the couch. She said, Chris, we need to have a serious conversation. I'm like, okay. Remember today when we were shopping? Yes. Remember how we were in the one store? And then I had to phone you. I'm like, yes, what happened? Oh, I just wandered off. Well, you see, Chris, there's a problem. You wander a lot. <laughs> Turns out I'm the problem, okay? And you hate figuring out that you, you're the problem. But that word one is interesting because it means to move away from the position you're supposed to be in, slowly and over time. And no matter how good at wondering you, I, I am, or maybe you are, nobody can beat the children of Israel because they wandered for 40 years. 40. I don't know how to do 40. 40 years. Can you imagine what it must have felt like wandering for 40 years? And when you read the, the, the Sunday school version, not the kids' own version because they're biblically accurate, but the Sunday school version, it'll tell you this. Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea after some plagues, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But that's not how the story goes. Let me give you a little bit of context. You see, it, the children of Israel, they were God's chosen people, and they had spent 400 years in slavery. 400 Eventually, God says, yes, and I'm going to use Moses, and I'm going to take Moses, and I'm going to make him be the savior of my people. So what he does is he says, sends Moses through a burning bush. Anybody familiar with the story? And the bush starts speaking, and Moses says, hello? And he says, it's I. Come towards me. And he says, I'm going to use you. Go say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses says, who sent me? And then God says, I am. He says, yeah, you are what? He goes, no, no, no. I am that I am. Okay, this is getting really confusing, Mr. Bush person. Who are you? God's like, my name is I am. And eventually he takes the name of I am and he frees his people. 
And they, after some plagues, there's a Passover that happens, um, which we spoke about early in the communion. But as the Passover meal happened, as there was bloodshed with, with the lamb, the children of Israel go from Egypt to freedom. And they end up going into the wilderness. And shortly after establishing their covenant and Moses gets the laws um, from God, they actually end up about to enter the promised land. They're right at the cusp. So what went wrong that it cost them 40 years of wandering? Well, perhaps the scripture in um, Numbers that's going to come up in a little bit will, will help explain it. But in order to understand this, what you've got to understand is God had already given them the promised land. And when they got there, they decided to put 12 spies into the promised land. And the 12 spies went for 40 days, and they came back with the report. And this is the report that they gave. We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought, they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out. The land through which we have, got, we have gone, gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that, were, that we saw in there are of great height, and there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So what happens after the scripture, right, is the children of Israel decided we're going to go back to Egypt and take a step back. They rebel against God, so God says, cool, if you don't want to go into the promised land, I'll give you exactly what you want, you, and they end up wandering for 40 years. What you need to understand is this is a two-week journey maximum, and yet they end up wandering for 40 years in the promised land, I mean in the wilderness. And what's interesting about the children of Israel is it's a picture of you and I. Because Moses was their savior like Jesus was our savior. And they were slaves to Egypt just like we are slaves to sin. And what we did was we crossed over from dead to light like they crossed over from Egypt through the river into the wilderness. And what's interesting is just like they had a Passover, we had a Passover on the cross. And as we go from sin to freedom, we step into the promised land of God. We step in, into freedom, and then we head towards God's promises and his purposes. Yet so often we are standing at the cusp of God's promises and his purposes, and we have a decision to make. Are we going to take a step in and go towards purpose, or are we going to take a step back and lead to delay? The title of your message today is Don't Wonder, with an A. Don't wander around. Instead, focus on God. You see, wandering is, what, is unproductive. Another definition is to walk around without purpose. And as Christians, we can't do this thing called life and walk around without purpose. And uh, at, the, at first, when you read the story, you say, but Chris, they were spies. That's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to spy out the land. Except they weren't. You see, they weren't going to spy out the land to see if they could. They were going to spy out the land to see what there was. Because that's what they were allowed to do. But instead, they went and they looked at if they could instead of focusing on what, what there was. And they, got, and they sent a bad report to the people. Your first point is simply this. It's listen to God, not people. Or rather, look to God, not people. We need to make sure that we are, we are looking to God as the answer and not people as the answer. You see, the reason that they went out to see what was in the land is because God had already given them their victory. 
In Deuteronomy 1.21, it says this, Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. It wasn't, hey, maybe you'll be able to occupy it. It was, you will occupy it. You see, and the thing we need to understand is that God is sovereign. And sovereign means that God is God and we're not. Sovereign means that God is not an option on a buffet table. Some people treat Christianity like it's an option. Oh, I'll take a little bit of God's blessing. Yeah, I like the Sunday night services because they've got Tonka bean. And, um, ooh, sexual purity, I'm going to leave that one aside. Tithing, oh, no, that's for me. Serving, I'll see. No, no, it's not a buffet table that we get to pick and choose. God is God and he's sovereign. So we need to take him at his word. Because it's not optional, and so often because we treat God as an option, we begin to listen to the bad report. Instead, we should ignore the bad reports of people and follow the truth of what God says, even if it means going against the majority. There were 12 spies, right? And how many of them gave a bad report? 10. Which means only two of them gave a good report. And so often in 2019, we tend to go with what the majority are saying because we think that's where the truth lies. But so often, the majority can be wrong. In fact, the majority is often wrong because God's truth determines it's right and wrong, not, not the majority, not what people feel. For example, if you were to look in history, you would have learned that um, bulls, they don't like red. Right? Anybody seen that the cartoons? That's a lie. Bulls just don't like being agitated like most people wouldn't like being agitated. That's what annoys a bull. Or for example, have anybody heard the saying, you're as blind as a? Except that's not true because most bats can see. They might have echolocation for in caves, but more often than not, bats can see what's happening and they choose when it's, when it's, when it's visible, they can go and fly around and find their prey. Or the, well, our favorite one is, smoking is good for you. Doctors recommend camel. <laughs> However, looking back, and looking back in history, what ends up happening is that actually, scientists have proven that's not the case, even when the majority says it was true. You see, we mustn't follow the majority. Instead, we should go look for the truth, and the truth that is God's word. Even in our schooling systems, in fact, if I could talk to the parents for a second, as somebody who takes care of youth on a Friday, do we know what schools are teaching our kids? Do we know what they're teaching our kids about family and about creation and about their origin and about their belief system and what's right and wrong? You see, school's role is to educate people, and it's okay to educate people. However, schools should never, ever be the one raising our kids. We should be doing that. We should impart God's wisdom because that's what the Bible says. And we need to protect the truth. And we do that by looking to God. John 4, 4, 14 verse 6 says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Notice that's Jesus speaking. And when we hear that and we read that nowadays, it's not actually true because people say God is a way, but it's my own truth and it's my life. But that's not, what, that's not how it's supposed to be because God is the truth and he holds the truth. You see, it's God's word, not opinion or options or feelings. When something good or bad happens, where do we go? To God's word or do we post about it on Instagram? Do we go ask our friends and our family? Do we Google to find the answers? We should always go back to God. Pastor Andre was sharing with his staff and he said this, did you know that the truth is a person? If you go back to that scripture in John, it says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
I being Jesus, therefore it's our responsibility to protect Jesus because Jesus is the truth. So when people attack the truth, they're actually attacking the person of Jesus. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to protect the person of Jesus and combat the truth because that's, because that's what we're called to do. Because when we don't in our lives, in our workspace, in our family situations, in our school, what ends up happening is we take a step back and we begin to wonder instead of stepping in to what God has for us. The second thing, your second point in your notes, if you're taking notes, which you should be, is this. Look to God, not circumstance. Look to God and not circumstance. If you look at the, 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 the scripture and the story, what ends up happening is they get into the, the land, but they don't look at what God's given them. They're looking at the challenges that are there. And they make the challenges bigger than God. For example, I don't know if any of you have seen a picture or have seen the thing. You can block the sun or a light out with a five rand coin. You just hold it in front of the sun and where you are, and all of a sudden the sun becomes smaller than the coin, and then you block out the sun. It's not because of the size of the coin. It's because of the perspective that we're standing in. And so often in our lives, there can be a challenge with our health, so we block out the goodness of God because we're focused on the challenges. So often God's got his provision, but we block it out because we're so focused on the lack that we have in our lives. And we put a coin and we put circumstance between us and this son who's Jesus, and we never see the goodness of God's promises come through because we're focused on the wrong things. Even as a country, there's so much potential in our country, but we can focus on the wrong things instead of looking at the country that God gave us. And instead of focusing on the problems, see it as an opportunity and not a problem that God has given us so that we can grow this country and as the church change the country and change the nation. So we should focus on the opportunity and not the problems. The reason we like to focus on the problems is because it's easy. In fact, if you were to look at business, right, and businesses, a business focuses on the problems and fixes it because they look at stuff differently. You see, they see opportunity, that when they see opportunity, they know that it's dressed in hard work and often wears a name badge that challenges. And often businesses aim to solve problems and fix challenges. They know that it takes hard work. So we need to make sure that we are looking to God and not the circumstances. Because when we do, our perspective of the circumstance goes off, but our perspective of ourselves go off. Because the Israelites said, we look like grasshoppers to them. How do you know what you look like to someone else? If you were to read the story that, that we look like grasshoppers because they were tall people, they were like giants. But they were probably more scared of the Israelites than the Israelites were of them because the Israelites had just defeated the army of Egypt. And God had just given them the army of Egypt. But because their perspective was off and they looked from the point of insecurity and what was wrong, they could never step up and into God's promises and his purpose. So often it's the same. We have this business idea and we really want to start it, but we look at the competitors and we feel like grasshoppers to them. I really want to go to start a relationship, but I can't buy that person a coffee because I feel like I look like a grasshopper, not the most attractive insect in the world. <laughs> However... If we were to stop looking at ourselves as grasshoppers and looking at ourselves as children of God and start, start looking around us and changing the situation, changing the circumstances and knowing that we have an identity from God as his children so we could step into God, step into his purpose, step into his promises and step into his plan. Don't forget that you're a child of God. And you know what's interesting is as we, as we go through the story and we, we look at the truth, we look at the challenges that people face, so often we don't grow because of the environment that we're in. You see, the children of Israel, 
as much as they had gotten there soon, sooner than 40 years, it took them about two years to get there. And they were in an environment that possibly didn't grow them or change them. For example, the one year I bought a, a succulent, just moved in, I said, I'm gonna buy a plant. So I said, a succulent, you can't kill a succulent, you only have to, kill, you only have to water it once a week. It died in a week. And I did some research, turned out my apartment was too cold in winter in order that the succulent would grow. And I realized that the problem wasn't the plant, the problem was the environment. Just like when you plant a seed, sometimes the problem's not the seed, it's the environment in which it's in. And we need to make sure that we're willing to change the environment and we're willing to, to, to say, hey, I'm gonna remove myself from the wrong environment, from the wrong people, and plant myself in the church, which is a good environment, in a volunteer team, around parents who are having the same issues as me so that I can help grow, raise my, my kids properly. The other problem is the people that we surround ourselves with. Sometimes we choose to surround ourselves with the 10 and not the two. It's like a woman who bought a snake. I know, I don't know why. I was reading this a number of years ago, and she bought a snake, a pet snake, a python. And she liked the snake. It's called the snake spot. I don't know what one would call a snake. And she had this pet snake, and she noticed after a number of years the snake wasn't, wasn't doing well in this particular week. The snake wasn't eating. So she monitored it for a few days. She said, hmm, I wonder why Spot's not eating. And I wonder why I named my steak Spot in the first place. So she took it to the vet and she said, doctor, uh, I have the snake, Spot. Uh, he's not eating. Could you please take a look? He said, sure, ma'am, would you mind stepping out of the room? Let me examine it, do some tests. And as, she did the, as the doctor, the vet did the test, she calls the owner back into the room and she says, and says to her, I've got some good news and some bad news, but before I do that, I need to ask you some questions. Have you noticed that your snake's been rather affectionate recently? She said, actually, now that she mentioned it, yes, often I'll be lying down and it'll come lie next to me and don't picture it. What's worse, snakes or spiders? Like, I don't like spiders. Anyway, so the snake would stretch itself next to me, okay? And, she's, and, the, and the vet said, interesting. And it hasn't eaten, and it'll come close to you. Yeah, yeah, it'll come close to me. She says, well, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is your snake's not sick. So, oh, that's great. The bad news is your snake is preparing to eat you. Because when it's lying itself next to you, it's measuring you up. The reason it hasn't eaten is it's, it's getting enough space in its stomach so it could eat you. How many of us have people in our lives like that? That they get close to us, they come next to us, they stretch themselves out, and they, you think they have your best interests at heart, but they don't. If you take anything away from this message, don't allow snakes in your bed. That's a word for someone today. You see, we need to know, we need to have the right people around us that will help us measure and to know ourselves accurately. In fact, Romans 12 verse 3 says, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. We need to come from a point of humility. We need to know that God is God and what He says is true. So don't allow people to get close to you who aren't helping to build you. Maybe you're here and you're like, Chris, Listen, this is a great message, but what happens if it's too late? This message would have been great five weeks ago, last week, five years ago, 10 years ago, but now I'm here and I feel like I'm wandering around. That's okay, because God doesn't waste your wandering, because God never forgets you and God is faithful even when we're not faithful, because for the children of Israel, whilst they were walking in the wilderness, God was still faithful with a pillar of cloud by day because they didn't have sunblock yet. Sunblock was important. And a pillar of, of fire by night to keep them 
warm. You see, even when we're not faithful, God remains faithful. And he didn't forget about Joshua. Joshua 1 tells us it's when, uh, what's happening in Joshua 1 is Moses has died. Joshua is about to lead, um, Joshua is about to lead the people into um, the promised land. And he has this encounter with God and he says those famous words. And he says, be strong and courageous. And you see, to understand that, we need to take a step back is because Joshua had been doing this for how long? Over 40 years. And he had seen what the people of Israel were capable of because he understood in God's timing. And point number three is we need to look to God's timing. We need to look to God's timing. You see, God's timing is perfect. As much as it didn't take 40 years, like I said, it took them two years to get from where they were to where they needed to be. That two-year journey, right, it's long. It's not as long as 40 years, but it should have only taken a maximum of two weeks. Maybe some of the slaves, they're kind of in the wait, they kind of were like, man, I thought this was going to end differently. Maybe after the first month, they were excited, but as they got to month two, became harder. And month three, it became more difficult. And it's almost like, God, why would you do this? Why would you not let us do what it is that you wanted us to do? Or why, why isn't this happening sooner for me? Why is it taking so long? Well, one of my friends is traveling to, to um, Australia this evening, and we're in a meeting, and he's like, how do you avoid like jet lag and stuff? And you know how everybody has like a remedy? No, no, do it my way. No, 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 do it my way. So my mom's way is just kind of sleep, and then you kind of adjust and plan your sleeping. Mine's like, don't sleep on the plane. Okay, borderline insomnia, and then when you land, you'll sleep hard and you'll adjust. And at the end of the conversation, we all walked away with this. Regardless how hard you try, there's always some residue of where you came from because that's what jet lag is. And for the children of Israel, where they came from was slavery. And no matter how hard they tried in their own strength, there was still some residue of Egypt in them. But over this two-year journey, as God walked with them step by step, he was trying to change them to who they needed to be instead of get them what they thought they wanted. You see, for Israel, it was Egypt. For you and I, it was sin because we were slaves to sin, but now we're free in God. And as we do this journey, as we walk in this journey, don't lose sight and, and stop trusting God's timing, even when there's delays. You see, the children of Israel weren't good with delay either. In Exodus 32 verse 1, it's where they build a golden calf. They fashioned the calf out of gold. And it says this, when the people saw that Moses that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, um, up, make us gods who shall go before us. And he received the gold from their hands and fashioned, and, and fashioned with a graving tool and made a golden calf. The reason they made the golden calf was because they stopped trusting the voice of God and tried to form their own God because of the delays that happened in life. And you say, man, how could the children of Israel do that? Well, how often do we do that in our own lives? We were trusting God for the business opportunity and he didn't come through. So you know that these people are probably not the best person to get into business with, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna fashion an opportunity for myself and I'm gonna tie it on it so it'll be okay. Before you know it, you'll be buying down to a different idol. Or maybe because we haven't had the uh, Relate ministry before, the Relate Singles Fellowship. You've been trusting God for a, a partner or a spouse. And it hasn't happened yet. And you're getting on. So instead of trusting God, you begin to create for yourself a spouse and a partner. I know they're not Christian, but they prayed that one time. So surely this is good enough. And we begin to build up these altars and these, and these things and fashioning what we think we need. And ultimately, they will lead us away from God. 
Remember that God's delay is not denial. He's still doing something in us. He's still fixing something in us, and he's going to finish what he started. But like I said, you, Chris, this still doesn't help me. This could have been a lot more helpful earlier in my life. And I know you're saying that the wonder is not wasted, but what does it mean? Well, he hasn't forgotten about you. Because when the generation that didn't want to go into the promised land had died, and that may seem hard until you realize God gave them exactly what they wanted because they didn't want to go into the promised land, so God gave it to them. Be careful what you want from God because sometimes God will give you what you want and you don't understand the consequences that it's given. He goes to Joshua, Joshua, and he says this, he says this, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be uh, afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can we pause in that scripture for a second? That's like a, that's like a fav, favorite Instagram verse. People put on Instagram, be strong and courageous, you know, again I tell you. And we often hear where, when God says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? What we think is that he's referring to what he's saying previously in the chapter. But that's not strictly speaking true. Because as much as he's referring to what he said previously in the chapter, 40 years ago in Deuteronomy 1, which we read a little bit earlier, he says the same thing. He says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The exact same words that God uses here. So when Joshua heard that, he would have stepped back and said, I've heard that before and I'm not making the same mistakes. Because this time I'm not gonna wonder anymore. I'm gonna get the promises of God that he promised me. You see, whereas before Moses sent 12 spies in, Joshua sent two because the two gave him the good report last time. Just like Moses crossed the Red Sea, Joshua crossed the Jordan. He was establishing what he was about to do. And just before Joshua was about to get into the promised land and start a war, he has an encounter with an angel who's the, who's the commander of the Lord's armies. And I love what happens. He says, are you for us or against us? He says, neither. But I'm going to tell you how to win this battle. So Joshua says, okay, cool. He says, understand that the city is shut up inside and out because they're scared of you. But here's what you're gonna do. I want you to take your armed men and put them in the front. Joshua's like, I've seen Endgame, I'm ready. <laughs> he says, I want you to put a rear guard behind. What are you putting in the behind? Well, you're gonna put priests in the middle. Oh, for war? Yeah, you know, you're gonna put the priests in the middle. Okay, are you gonna give them weapons? Yes, I'm gonna give them weapons. What are you gonna give them? Seven trumpets for the seven priests. I can imagine Joshua being like slow jazz, like what's, <laughs> I know that you said you're the, the, the commander of the Lord's armies, but I just want to take a moment. You fought a war before, because I don't know that jazz is the thing. He says, no, 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 this is what you're going to do. What you're going to do for seven days is you're going to walk around. Sorry? We've just spent 40 years walking. You want me to walk around some more? He says, yes, you're going to walk around a city. It's not just like a, like a little castle with a moat. It's a whole city. And they walked around the whole city. And they had seven trumpets with seven men. And for six days they did it. But on the seventh day, he said, what you can do is on the seventh day, you're going to go and walk around seven times. Tell discovery, okay? You need to get your steps up. <laughs> seven times seven. Can you imagine the enthusiasm of the first day as they walked around? God's going to give us this. And they blew the trumpets. And... But when it came to day six, when their legs were sore, and they were carrying this trumpet and nothing was happening because the wall was still standing there. And God, I thought you said that the wall would come down. But they still did it. And Joshua never lost hope because he understood something. Because it wasn't about what it looked like. Because imagine what it looked like for the king of Jericho is looking down. Man, they, they've killed two tribes coming in here. I'm scared. What are they doing? They're walking. Excuse me? You know, they're just they're walking around outside. 
They've got some good music going, good playlist. Like, but they're just <laughs> walking. Do you want to know how Joshua didn't lose faith? It was because he understand that when you want to stop wondering, you need to start worshiping. If you want to stop the wonder, we need to wonder. I mean, we need to worship, not wonder. And when they did that, they began to walk around. I'm pretty sure by day five, Jericho was laughing at them. Just like some of us as the only saved people in our family have been walking and trusting around God's promises and people are laughing at us. When other businesses are like, see what happens when you try to do it God's way and we're walking around. And you see, point of the, the last point was we need to worship, not wonder. But worship isn't a Sunday thing. Worship is a Monday to Saturday thing. Because when you're at your work and you're doing your work godly, in a godly manner, guess what? That's worship to God. As a student, as you're writing your exams, that's worship to God. The Bible tells us take your whole life as an act of worship, a living sacrifice to God. When you do relationships in a godly way, guess what? That's worship to God. When you're parenting and you're raising your kids, guess what that is? It's worship to God. If you're a single parent and you're fulfilling the role of two parents, don't, don't think that God doesn't see you. You're still worshiping God because he sees you and he knows the pain and he knows the hurt, but that's worshiping God. And you see, we worship God Monday to Saturday. How many days is that? How many days do they have to walk around the city? But you see, what happens on the seventh day is that when they blew the trumpets, it says in the scripture, when they blew the trumpet, the wall came down. Because in Joshua 6, 20, it says, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Today's Sunday, church, and it's the seventh day. And I don't know what you've been wondering around and I don't know how you find yourself in this building, but I want to encourage you. We've learned that worship, if you want to stop the wondering, we need to start worshiping. What better way to put it in practice than to do it right now? So if you are, you can stand to your feet and stop looking at people, stop looking at the circumstance, stop looking at the delay and the history in the past, but take a moment right now and say, I'm going to worship today because when I worship, the walls come down, God comes through and everything can change. Come on church, let's worship today. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 